We're going to talk today about um, this series we're in called Principles. And um, we talked last week, we opened up this series called Principles. And what we've been doing for the last several months now is looking at our mission as a church. We've been looking at our vision as a church. Um, Ladina Doherty talked about our purposes as a church a couple of weeks ago. And uh, now we've started to talk about principles, uh, culture, DNA. Uh, these particular topics we're talking about, it's, even though we're saying this is the mission of our church and, and the values of our church, this is not about our church. This is about um, followers of Jesus and things that we ought to live by. And, and all followers of Jesus essentially have essentially the same mission. And the mission for Fellowship Church that we've adopted is just simply to connect people to an everlasting, committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. So that is, that's our mission. Uh, everybody who follows Jesus should desire to introduce other people to Jesus so that they may follow him as well. So that's our mission. Um, our, our vision as a local church, and our vision might be a little bit different, but everybody should have a vision for their life. A vision is who you want to be. A vision is where you want to go. And so at least as a church, our vision is to be a multiplying movement of passionate followers of Jesus who impact their communities and beyond with grace, love, and hope. And so the key word there is passion. We want to be passionate about Jesus. People who are passionate about Jesus and his good news, uh, his way of life for us, and that make an impact in their community with that passion. And then again, those purposes we talked about. The, the mission says, why do I exist? Uh, the vision says, where are we going? And then our purpose is just says, okay, what do we do? So what do we do in life? Well, our purpose in life is to worship it's to grow, it's to connect with others, it's to serve the world around us, and it's to share our faith in Christ. And so those are our purposes. And then we introduced again last week this idea of principles. What, what makes us unique? Like as a church, what makes our church unique? How do we do church? But way more importantly is how do you do life? How do you do life at work, at school, in your neighborhood, in your homes? How do you do life? And these are principles to live by. And so we've adopted these 10 principles called DNA as a church that are admittedly strange. These are strange um, little statements that we've adopted, strange and cheesy on purpose, so that um, you'll remember them. And, and so our DNA points as a church is uh, we're the Coast Guard, not the Yacht Club. If you're saved, you serve. We are water buffaloes. We choose fun. We are for this generation. We do more by doing less. We encourage innovation. We ride waves and roll with punches. We're for anyone, not everyone. And uh, finally, there is no fence. And so last week, we opened up this series with a look at the first two, that we're the Coast Guard, not the Yacht Club. And, and I, interacting with some of you this week and following some of you on social media, I, I see that that idea made an impact on some of you, what it means to be the Coast Guard and not the Yacht Club. And that's just simply this. It's not about us. As Christians, it's not about us. It's not about being comfortable. It's about reaching those who are perishing without Christ and exponentially growing his kingdom. And so we encourage you last week, like, get out of your comfort zone because it's not about us. It's about others. And then we just touched briefly on the second one last week, this idea that if you are saved, you serve. Uh, religion tells us that if you serve, then you can be saved. But Jesus tells us, because I've saved you, now go out and serve. So if you are saved, you serve. And that statement just says, we're not consumers. And so everything about our culture says consume, consume, consume. But as Christians, we're not consumers. Instead, everyone contributes to kingdom growth 
with time, treasure, and talent. And so today we're going to look at our most, our most memorable and the strangest DNA point. It might seem weird to even say or be talking about, but the one we're going to be talking about today is this idea, we are water buffaloes, and what on earth that actually means. And I'm actually dressed today for this message. This is like what uh, um, Elaine Amerson's been helping me with props, and I'm like, my prop is going to be my, my safari outfit today. And um, so go on a safari with me. I was talking with, uh, with Tim before our service today, and we were reminiscing of like kindergarten where maybe your teacher did that little game like going on a bear hunt. Like can't go under. So we're going to do that today together. Trina, did you do that in Mississippi? That like little, little thing? No? Okay. You missed out. We'll teach you later. So, go, so what does it look like to be a, a water buffalo? And this is just a strange statement, but by the time you leave, you'll understand. And we're going to show you this real graphic video that will make it really drive home here in a minute as well. Not really graphic, just exciting. Um, so what do you think about when you think about water buffaloes? Last week we talked about what you thought about when you thought about the Coast Guard. And I said, I think about lifeguards. And when I think about lifeguards, I think about Zac Efron. And we kind of went down that trail last week. Um, but what do you think about when you think about uh, water buffaloes? Well, um, me being a child of the 80s, um, I think about the Flintstones. How many of you grew up with the Flintstones? Uh, how many of you took Flintstones vitamins as a kid? Uh, I promise you, you'll live to be 500 if you took Flintstones vitamin. And, and so the Flintstones is, is really just this staple of American television. Um, but there was this kind of fraternity or, or secret society that Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble were a part of, and they were called the, the Water Buffaloes. Do you guys remember that? And there was a, a grand poobah of the Water Buffaloes, and there was this really funky hat that they wore, the big, big blue furry hat. I actually had one. I can't find it anywhere with, with water buffalo horns. And I always wondered, like, why wouldn't they have chosen a dinosaur thing? This is the Flintstones. Uh, but they chose a water buffalo. Um, for some of you real religious people uh, who maybe were children of, of the mid to late 90s, you might automatically think of what? The VeggieTales. Yeah. Uh, the VeggieTales had this strange song about water buffaloes. And, and so we don't talk about water buffaloes very much. Uh, there's a picture, I looked everywhere for it, and I forgot to ask him for it, but my friend Adam Cardoza, he, there's a picture of him riding a water buffalo uh, in the Philippines. And so when you think about water buffaloes, what in the world do you think about? So here's our statement as a church is this. We are water buffaloes. There is health, growth, and protection from roaring lions in the herd of authentic community. So health, growth, and protection from roaring lions in the herd of authentic community. So what does this mean? Well, this is a statement of fellowship. This is a statement of connection. This is a statement of relationship, family, friendship, brotherhood, community. This is a statement about being a part of a family, a school, a herd. This is what this statement is about because water buffaloes roam in herds. And every group of animals are called different things. Uh, Water buffaloes have herds, fish have schools. Did you know that crows have murders? A group of crows called them murder? There's these different groups of animals called different things. And so why on earth would we choose this statement? And why would we even talk about this in church? Um, and first of all, when I look at this, this image, I, I see three things, by the way. This, let's get this out of the way. One, I see like a very nice Assyrian beard. Do you guys see the beard in that picture? Like mustache curving up, beard coming down, and like weird, weird things to the side. Um, and then I see this, this water buffalo. Um, 
said I had three, but I'll mention two. So the things that you think of when you think about water buffaloes, why would we choose this? Well, number one, it, it's catchy, but really nothing describes this better. And I want to tell you, I actually have this thing I was going to read at the end of my message that I'm going to read before we do anything else. Uh, there's a very prominent, well-known pastor in our nation uh, who founded one of the largest churches that the country has ever seen um, in a very short amount of time. And about 12 years into the planting of this church with tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of people, uh, he gets fired from the church that he, that he founds. And Why? Um, long story short, um, he got into some trouble uh, with alcoholism, leading him to all sorts of, of just sins he was trying to hide, and um, ended up losing uh, his job at the very church he founded. And so a couple of years ago, he wrote this about the experience. Um, and this is what he titled his article. He titled it, I Chose Silence Over Crying Out for Help. And here, here's what he said. He said, I was hurting, deeply hurting. In doing so, I allowed sinful thoughts to exponentially multiply in my mind, thus impacting my mind in ways that were both destructive and harmful. I believed the deceptive lies the enemy would whisper to me, such as, no one will understand, or you're the only one who has this issue, or if you tell people what's really going on, they'll abandon you. If you're in a bad place, I mean, you're living through hell on earth. My prayer for you is you would make the immediate decision to tell someone ASAP because you're not the only one. People will not abandon you, and believe it or not, more people will understand than you could ever imagine. However, I chose to remain silent, which propelled me with light speed towards the coping mechanism of alcohol abuse. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. I was weak. I did not ask for help. And the end result was a train wreck. What happened to me doesn't have to happen to you. You can ask for help today. And just three days ago, I saw, again, a uh, uh, Christian leader, a pastor of one of the nation's largest churches, same thing, got fired. And you see this happen again and again and again and again, but this is not just a, a pastor thing or a Christian thing. This is a life thing where we struggle by ourselves and we're never willing to actually admit that we need help or acknowledge the struggles that we have. And so this is a statement of connection. This is a statement of brotherhood, of friendship, of community. And so let's start with this idea of roaring lions, okay? So there is health, growth, and protection from roaring lions in the herd of authentic community. Um, so who are these lions? And why do we need protection from these lions? Well, let's look, if you would, with me at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Uh, Peter, the disciple, he writes as the Spirit leads him. He says, be sober-minded, be mindful, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So this is a statement about our spiritual enemy, the devil. There are rebellious, evil, spiritual forces at work within the world, at work around you. There is a devil, he is real, and it is his desire to devour you like a lion. So we have a real and present enemy. 
We have a real and present enemy that seeks to devour us like a lion. And the Bible says, Jesus specifically talking about the devil, he says the thief, that's the devil, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So what is it that the devil can kill? What can he steal? What can he destroy? Well, as a Christian, he can't steal your salvation. As a Christian, he can't take away your eternal life. But here's what the devil can do in the life of a Christian. He can kill our testimony. He can steal our joy. How many of you have ever had your joy stolen before? And he can destroy your ministry, your, your calling, your family, your relationships. And the moment you neglect that there's a lion, and the moment you neglect that there is a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that's the moment that you become vulnerable. How many of you have ever looked at someone's life become a train wreck and say to yourself, I'd never do that. That would never happen to me. I want to tell you that the moment that you do that is the moment you paint the biggest target on your back, saying, okay, enemy, come and get me. Uh, because I said, um, this ship's unsinkable. This plane can't crash. This car can't get in a wreck. My marriage will be solid forever. My family would never rebel against God. My job is secure until the day I retire. When we say stuff like that, I'm not saying we're, we're speaking curses over our life, but we might as well wave a big flag that says, come and try. And, and I, I, don't, I don't actually think the shirt or the signs or the coffee mugs that say, not today, Satan, I actually don't think that's funny. Because I, I understand if you're like, well, pastor, I have that tattooed on my thigh. Okay, I understand. But, but when you do that, essentially you're saying like, not today, Satan, but why don't you try? You see, the devil is sneaking about like a roaring lion. He's looking for who he may devour. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And the more you isolate yourself, the more danger you find yourself in. The more responsibility that you get in life and the more effective you get at whatever it is that you do, the bigger target you become. If you get a promotion at work or, or something really great happens in your life, um, you have a real big spiritual breakthrough as a Christian, I guarantee that there are roaring lions on your tail chasing, ready to watch you fall. So the bigger target you become, the more successful you get. And we don't want to give a lot of credit to the devil. We don't want to, like, give him praise and testimony for all of the horrible things he's done. And so we oftentimes blame the devil for doing things in our lives that really were just caused by our own dumb decisions. So be careful even what you blame the devil for, but even though we don't want to give the devil credit, we do want to be sober-minded, like Peter says. We do want to be watchful. We want to be ready and be on the offensive against the devil and his schemes. So there is roaring lions. So before we continue, I, are we on the same page? There, there is a devil. There are evil forces. There are rebellious spiritual forces that are out to devour you, kill you, steal from you, and destroy you. So speaking of isolating yourself and speaking of becoming vulnerable, being a part of a herd is the opposite. There is protection in the herd. And when you're protected and when you're part of the herd, then you'll experience the real health that you need in life, and that's when you're going to experience real growth. And so children who grow up in very dysfunctional homes and children who don't have safe places or safe families to live with they oftentimes, most of the time, are not healthy, both physically and mentally, and they also are not growing, sometimes physically. We need safety in order to grow and in order to have health. 
And so when you know that you've got a community who has your back, then you can know you're protected, you're, you're safe, you can grow, you can be healthy. Look at what Leviticus 26 says. In Leviticus 26, there's this idea that appears about five times in Scripture, and it's quoted different ways, and, and it's become kind of this cliche cultural saying, but the actual verse says this. It says, five of you shall chase a hundred. So this is God speaking to his children what things will be like if they follow him. He says, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase 10,000, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. And so that's this cliche statement that, that if one can take down a thousand, then two, three, four, five can take down 10, 50, 100,000. And so I think we can all understand life is better when you do it in a team. Life is better when you do it with someone else. And so there are roaring lions out to get you. You are safe, you're healthy, you're growing in a herd. And so what does that have to do with water buffaloes? And this is where I'm going to show you a video, and I'll give you a couple of, um, I'll give you a couple of warnings before we watch this video. Number one, this video is long, but it is very entertaining. So just bear with it, watch. It's incredible what you're about to see. Number two, if you don't like watching animals get attacked, deal with it. Um, number three, it is not gory, there's no blood, and I promise the story ends well, so don't become distraught. If this is a giant triggering point for you some, for some reason, then you can be like, I'm out. You can exit for a while. Come back in eight minutes. Um, but this is probably one of the most incredible things ever filmed, basically by being at the absolute right time, at the absolute right place to film one of the absolutely most incredible drama in nature ever filmed before. And this happens at a, uh, a wildlife refuge in South Africa called Kruger, uh, like Freddy Kruger. Um, no relation to the video we'll show. Uh, but Kruger uh, is the name of this, this wildlife refuge. And it was filmed by someone on a safari, thus. And um, I want to be on this safari. Like, this, this guy is at the right place in the right time. It's filmed in 2004, so video quality isn't real awesome. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and take a look at this idea of why we're talking about water buffaloes. Um, made his way out. We've got a special guest for you today. Baby water buffalo. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Like, tell us about it. Tell us about your experience. Uh, so I'll give you a quick recap. How many of you have seen that video before? Raise your hand real high if you've seen that video before. It's pretty incredible. Um, you can look it up. Battle at Kruger uh, is where you can find that. But so we see, a, we see, what do you see first? Is a family stray away from the herd. So you've got a water buffalo family stray off from the herd. And the moment that they do that, the baby becomes incredibly vulnerable. And here's, if you walk away with anything today, let it be this. Alone is a very dangerous place to be. Alone is a very dangerous place to be. Outside the herd is a dangerous place to be. The more you draw yourself away from community, the more vulnerable you become to attack. And so this family walks away, and you got this giant daddy waffle bu water buffalo, and I want that South African lady to be like, read bedtime stories at night, like, go on, buffalo, go on. Like she says, there's a big water buffalo, and it's this, this, this big daddy water buffalo. He notices the lions, and do you actually notice what he does? He goes to confront the lions completely by um, himself. He, he chooses to confront the enemy by himself, but because he and his numbers are small, just him, mommy, water buffalo, and baby water buffalo, the, the lions actually give chase. 
and it's his family, and it's his baby that ultimately suffers. So a little side note for men here today. Men, keep your family in a herd. Keep your family in a herd. If you're in trouble, don't try to solve it by yourself. How many of you guys are, are the one who likes to solve trouble by yourself? You don't like to ask for help. You don't like to admit you're, you're in trouble, you have a problem. You don't want to admit when your dryer's broke and you need help. Like, how many of you, have, you just have a hard time stopping and asking for directions? I want you to know that if you're in trouble, don't try to solve it alone. We see too many families, too many dads in particular, keeping their family away from the herd. We see far too many dads within a Christian context keeping their families out of church. We see dads keeping their families so busy in other things that they actually don't ever get the protection from the herd. And they end up having their family in trouble. And a lot of times, as a pastor, I'll have dads come up to me and be like, well, the church wasn't there for me when. And I'm like, you were never around. No, no one knew who you were. You've got to choose to be a part of community. You've got to choose to reach out before you're in trouble so that when you are in trouble, it's easier to reach out. And so people will often blame others for their own family falling apart when they themselves pulled their family away from something that was good and healthy. And so the lions give way and they give chase to this family. The, the lions chase after mommy, daddy, and baby buffalo. And ultimately, as you saw, the baby gets caught and I was disturbed the first three or four times I watched this that mom and dad just keep running. They, they literally leave baby buffalo there uh, left to the roaring lions. And you have to stop and ask yourself why. And believing the best about people and water buffaloes, I'd like to believe that the reason why they kept running is because they were going for help. And so let, let's go with that idea that, that mom and dad run for help. They recognize they need help. And maybe some of you are in a place in your life right now where you're recognizing that you need help, and I would encourage you to shout, help! Don't try to fix it or do it or solve it by yourself. And so mom and dad run for help. The lions are attacking baby water buffalo, and lo and behold, a crocodile just jumps up out of the water. Like, how many of you, that's like, this is 2020 in a video right here. Like, first the lions and then the crocodiles. So the crocodile, there's two of them, this giant, probably a 16, 17-foot crocodile, grabs this water buffalo, and it literally becomes tug-of-war with baby water buffalo. And not only is she struggling against the lion, she's struggling against crocodiles. See, there's forces all around us, isn't there? Uh, it's not just the devil. Sometimes it's our own sinful heart. It's not just evil spiritual forces of rebellion at work. Oftentimes, it might seem like a co-worker. It might seem like a spouse. It might seem like there's all these forces, nations and presidents and politics and all this junk. There's forces all around us. And so Paul says in Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. There is an enemy surrounding us, all about us, just watching for us to fall, watching for us to fail, and you'll notice that the media loves it when a Christian falls and fails. 
You'll notice that people in a community love it when someone in ministry falls or suffers because in some weird way it almost gives them approval for the very things that they're doing. And you see, once this water buffalo gets attacked by now the crocodiles and the lions and we realize there's enemies all around us, it just solidifies our need for the herd all the more. And so in this battle between the lions and the crocodiles, the lions prevail. And if you watch from the very second that the baby water buffalo gets attacked by the lions to the moment that the other water buffaloes come to their rescue, there's something that stood out to me that I didn't notice the first couple of times I watched the video, and so I started a timer. And from the time the baby water buffalo gets attacked until the time the herd comes to save the day, two minutes and 20 seconds pass. That two minutes and 20 seconds watching the video seemed like a long time. But imagine being the baby water buffalo. Those two minutes and 20 seconds probably felt like an eternity. The longer you're away from the herd, the worse off you are. So do the best you can to spend the least amount of time away from the herd and do the best you can to spend the least amount of time away from those outside of the herd who are under attack. And a lot of times we wait until the last minute to step in and help people because we're afraid we'll offend people for reaching out to help them. And sometimes we do, but I'm still starting to learn that I would rather offend someone than to just let them get uh, devoured by crocodiles and, and lions. So the herd arrives two minutes and 20 seconds later. And it arrives in full force. And I believe it's because mom and dad water buffalo, they go and they seek the help from the herd. And collectively, the herd comes. There's, there's probably, what do you think, 100 water buffaloes there? The herd comes and collectively they drive the lions away. And of course, we all cheer when we see the water buffalo you know, goring the lion and tossing it into the air. But they drive away the enemy. But my absolute favorite part in this video, it's not where the crocodiles and the lions are tug-of-war. That's pretty cool. But it's not my favorite part. My favorite part is this. Once the herd arrives, and not until the herd arrives, once the baby sees that she's not alone anymore, what does she do? She starts to stand up. She recognizes she's not alone. Now, when she was alone, she just basically... Uh, is helpless to this, this pack of, of lions, this pride of lions they are. And so she, she's helpless to them. But when she sees that she has people that have her back, when she sees that there, is, there are other water buffalo in her corner that are not willing to let her perish, that's when she gets the strength to actually stand. It reminds me of the story of of the friends who brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus to be healed. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the man who was paralyzed. You see, it took an entire herd of faith where the baby had no faith at the moment. Once the baby saw that she could start to lean on the faith of others at that moment, in that moment in history of her life, she is then able to stand. You can't always lean on other people's faith. You've got to have your own relationship with Jesus, your own faith. But a lot of times when you're really struggling and when the enemy is out to devour you, you do need to depend on the faith of others. How many of you have found yourself there before? Because God has proven to me that when I am faithless, he is faithful. 
And when I am faithless, oftentimes God is faithful through the faith of faithful people. And so when I am in times of strength and faith, it is important that I don't become arrogant and say these things could never happen to me, but instead I need to look for people who are faithless and give them the courage and the faith they need to stand up under the weight of the enemy. And so she stands up under the weight of her attackers. And she begins to fight back. She attempts an escape, and eventually she gets it. And so here's the deal. Sometimes, not just sometimes, but most of the time, it takes the support of the herd for us to stand to our feet when we're under attack. Galatians 6.1 says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So if you have brothers and sisters in the herd, if you've got brothers and sisters in the herd who are there to surround you when you're caught in transgression, if you've got brothers and sisters in the herd who are there to restore you to your faith and to the herd, if you have brothers and sisters in the herd who are there to do it in a spirit of gentleness, and that's the key, by the way, to do it in a spirit of gentleness, then it's easier to get back up. Proverbs 17, we actually read from Proverbs 17 earlier this morning. Proverbs 17, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. That doesn't mean that like, oh yeah, I always fight with my brother. It's not what that means. It means that friends are, are cool for good times. But the reason that we have brothers and sisters is they're there for us when we are in adversity. It's not that they cause adversity in our life. It's that they actually are the ones who help us get out of adversity. And so if you're a brother and sister in Christ to someone, you're born for the trials that they go through, and they're born for the trials that you go through so that you can give them the faith and the strength to stand up under the weight of the attackers. You see, a herd is not just something that's the right thing to do. You don't want to be a part of a water buffalo herd just because it's the right thing to do. You want to be a part of the herd for times of failing because you're going to fail. You want to be a part of a herd for a time of mistakes and you're going to make mistakes. You want to be a part of the herd so that when you get sick, you've got support and you're going to get sick someday. You need to be a part of the herd so that when death visits your family, and it will, they're there to help you stand up. A herd is there for mourning. A herd is there for adversity. We need the herd. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, it is not good for man to be alone. I believe God said that in Genesis chapter 2. It's just not. Not good for us to be alone. We need each other. We're made for each other. We're created for community. We need each other. We're created to do life together in the herd. You see, it took the herd to rescue the baby from the roaring lions. There was health, there was growth, and ultimately there was protection in the herd. This herd just happened to be a herd of water buffaloes, and that's why we just choose that statement, we are water buffaloes, because there is health, growth, and protection in the herd of authentic community. So this is how we do church. This is how we do life. 
joined together in the Spirit, gathered together in local herds, local churches, in cities scattered across this planet. The church thrives, the church grows, the church is on mission, the church is compelled towards its vision together. Each member serving the body, and the body collectively serving each member. So I close again with that statement I read from uh, this pastor. I was hurting, deeply hurting. I believe the deceptive lies the enemy would whisper to me, such as no one will understand. You're the only one who has this issue. If you tell people what's really going on, they'll abandon you. Because I chose to remain silent, which propelled me with light speed towards a coping mechanism. It doesn't matter what the coping mechanism was. For him, it was alcohol. For us, it could be a number of things. So could you just bow your heads, close your eyes, or at least get yourself into a place where you can eliminate distraction around you? It's not good to be alone. There is health. There is growth. There is protection from roaring lions, crocodiles, unemployment, financial crisis, health crisis, death, wayward children, Whatever it is, there is health, growth, and protection from those things in the herd of authentic community. And that's, that's another key word there we don't have time to dig into today. But church isn't a place to pretend like you got it all together. Church is not a place to act like you've got all your stuff figured out. Church is not a place to pretend that you're holy or good or righteous. Church is a place actually to walk in the light, acknowledging your shortcomings and trusting completely and exclusively on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And looking around at your fellow water buffaloes and acknowledging that we're all kind of in the same plane together all under the danger and the threat of lions and crocodiles. And that's why we need each other. Now, could God deliver us um, out of our struggle and trial and from the roaring lions without a herd? He could, but that's not how he chooses to. If that was the case, he wouldn't say it's not good for a man to be alone. If that wasn't the case, he wouldn't say... We're all part of one body. So could God rescue you alone? Yeah, he does sometimes, but that's not how he made this world to work because you were actually created for relationship. Without relationship, you fall under attack from outside forces, and without relationship, you're not going to have anybody there to help you. And... I think by the time I get to Friday every week, I'm just so burdened for so many stories I've heard from so many people over the last, when did this all start? March, like 
the last nine months, eight months, seven months, however long this has been, I get discouraged. I, I, there's so many divorces, so much addiction, so much death, so much relational strife and crisis and people hurting and being all alone. Talking to those of you who are joining online right now, um, there is no judgment uh, for you if you haven't chosen to, um, to reconnect in, in person at a church service. If, if your conscience doesn't allow you to do that right now due to COVID and things going on, that's fine. But here's what I want you to do. Reach out. Call. Text. Message. Do whatever you can to do life with other people. And you might say, well, this is just for a season. This could be a horrible season of destruction if you're alone. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. I'm not saying come back to in-person church, but I'm saying do life with some people, even if it's virtually. Be around people. Whatever that looks like for you, however you can do it, now is this just for the enemy, not for us, but for the enemy, this is this great time to pray on the herd right now because there's a lot of people absent from the herd. I was reading a statistic that 25% of churches in America that have closed due to COVID are expected to never open again. 25%. Uh, we were up in Seattle interacting with other ministers last week and three uh, campuses of out of four of one of the largest churches in the Puget Sound area have all closed permanently. Um, online, being entertained by a sermon is not going to cut it, guys. Online, listening to worship music is not going to cut it. We, we can do that whenever we want. You've got to do life with other people. You just have to. You have to. We don't want to see you fall under attack by lions and, and crocodiles and bears, oh my. We just don't. It just hurts too bad. It's too difficult to watch. So I'd encourage you, walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. Confess your sins one to another. If you confess your sins, the Bible says, Jesus is faithful. He's He's just to forgive us of our sins. Amen. That's awesome. Salvation is the best thing we've got. But then it says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a lot of Christians walking around right now forgiven of sins, but not cleansed from unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means that you're willing to do difficult life with people and work through difficult stuff together. And there is great power in being in the light admitting your fault, admitting your weaknesses, confessing your sins before others, not towards priests or religious leaders, but before brothers and sisters that you love and trust that can look back at you and say, hey, I've been there, we're in this struggle together, and by God's grace, we can make it out. I think I've met one person in my life who has recovered from severe alcoholism or drug addiction by themselves. And by themselves, I mean outside of um, recovery groups. Pastor, you're saying I need a recovery group to overcome my addiction? Probably, yeah. Probably. I've seen very, very few people overcome 
the hurt of divorce and relationship destruction as a child without counseling. Pastor, are you saying I need a counselor? Probably, yeah. Because that's how God made this work with others. So if you would today to say like, hey, my marriage is, and you share with someone, I'm struggling with, I've gone back to porn, drugs, depending on alcohol. I'm struggling with this affair, strife with my sibling. I'm str- Whatever it is, you see, those things are things that thrive and grow and flourish in the dark. But those things have no power at all in the light. Because if you expose those things, be willing to walk with them, um, you're going to find the help you need, I promise you. It's, it's when you try to hide that it gets worse. or it's, it's, it's even when some people will not hide, but they'll actually boast in their sin. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Like, yes, I am so proud that I am whatever, whatever sin you're struggling with. That's not walking in the light. That's rebellion. So there is, there is celebrating sin and boasting about it to try and make yourself feel better. There is hiding sin, and both of those things will destroy you. But it's with humility and vulnerability and authentic relationship when you say, hey, let's bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Because you got to struggle, i got to struggle. We're both pretty broken, messed up people. But with Jesus, we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We can get healing. And I didn't say I can get healing. I actually, in purpose, said we can get healing because I don't think you can do it by yourself. We can get healing. So God... Whatever you want to do with this word today, would you do it? Your word itself says that it won't return void. So God, we've, we've um, spoken a few scriptures. We've watched a traumatic video. We, we've talked about strange things. But God, may people leave not with anything that they saw in a video or with anything that, that I said out of my mouth, but would people leave with truth from your word? Would people leave here today with a phrase that I uttered, alone is a dangerous place to be. So church, if you've wandered from the hurt, whatever that looks like for you, I don't need to describe it. If you've wandered away from the hurt, come back, come back, come back. Seems pretty free and fun outside of the hurt, but it's a bad place to be. Nothing good can come of it. So come back. Are you saying come back to church, Pat? No, I'm saying come back to Jesus. Come back to the Father. Come back to depending on the Holy Spirit. Come back to the herd of community, whatever that looks like for you right now. Come back, come back, come back, because you are going to get attacked by yourself. And though your soul might make it out, you might not make it out with your life as you know it. Come back. Come back. There's people around you ready to put arms around you and say, we got this together. In Christ, we can do this. So God, bring healing, bring transparency, bring vulnerability. I pray and speak against arrogance and pride and speak, Lord, against, uh, I, I speak toward humility that you would humble us, God. Your word tells us the meek will inherit the earth. And so God, would you make us humble and meek, not, not boasting of ourselves, but instead boasting in you. 
God, bring healing for those who need it. Lord, if there's anybody here uh, hiding a struggle, hiding a sin in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would shine uh, a bright light so that that darkness could not thrive any longer. God, would you show people, brothers and sisters, who were born for adversity with them, made to actually struggle together with our issues together with. God, would you bring us people who can help us? Would you give people courage to actually try to build and make relationships? In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand. We're going we're gonna to close out in a song, and we're going to